Greetings and welcome to the Mount Calvary Nation podcast hosted by Mount Calvary Baptist Church in Dayton, Ohio, where our pastor is the Reverend S.N. Winston Jr. We thank you for joining us and hope that this episode blesses you. Good morning, Mount Calvary. I'll be reading from Psalm 1, Psalm 1, 1 through 6. Blessed is the man that walked not in the counts of the ungodly, nor stand in the ways of the sinners, nor sit in the seats of the scorcher. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in the law of the Lord he meditate day and night. He should be like a tree planted by the river of water that bring forth his fruit in his season. The ungodly is not so, but like the shaft of the wind that drives their way. Therefore the ungodly should not stand in the judgment, nor the sinners in the congregation of the righteous. The Lord knows the ways of the righteous, but the ways of the ungodly should perish. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, mercy, holy God, we come one more morning. Come thanking you for blessing us to be able to come into the house of prayer one more morning. Thank you for blessing us to be able to study thy holy word. Bless the man, Heavenly Father, that going to speak the word today. Let him go and tell us how great you is, how kind you are, and how great and how powerful you are, God. We come this morning praying for those one that sick this morning, laying in hospitals and in homes and in other places that sick this morning. Thank you for blessing us and keeping us and guiding us. Join us the way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Hallelujah. Come on, lift up your hands. Focus your mind on Jesus Christ this morning. Open up your mouth and just tell him, thank you, how wonderful he is, how awesome he is. Take the time out right now just to open up your mouth and tell him, thank you. He's worthy. You're a great God. You're an awesome God. You're a mighty God. Thank you for being our protector. Thank you for being our shield. Thank you, God that you keep us from danger seen and unseen. Thank you, God, that you continue to keep your angels encamped around us, Father. For your word says that you've given your angels charge over us. And for that, we say thank you. Thank you that you continue to keep your promises. Thank you. Come on, open up your mouth. Hallelujah. You're worthy of all the praise, honor, and glory. Hallelujah. We lift up your name above sickness. We lift up your name above anxiety. We lift up your name above depression. 
we lift up your name above suicidal thoughts. God, you be exalted. Hallelujah. You be exalted in this place. Hallelujah. There's none more powerful than you. And we give you praise. Hallelujah. No one can take your place. And we give you praise. Hallelujah. The government is on your shoulder. And your name is called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Great I Am, Awesome Wonder, The Miraculous One. We say thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, clap your hands and give God praise. Hallelujah. We will continue to magnify you, Jesus. No matter what's going on around us, we'll continue to magnify your name, God. Hallelujah. Come on, can you clap your hands like this? Hallelujah. We give you praise. Come on, one more time. Everybody clap your hands. Oh, here we go. The Lord is high above the heavens. The Lord is high above the heavens. And his glory above all nations. And his glory above all nations. The Lord is high above the heavens. The Lord is high above the And his glory above all nations. One more time, I want you to sing it again. The Lord is high above the heavens. The Lord is high above the heavens. And his glory above all nations. And his glory above all I said the Lord is high above the heavens. The Lord is high above And his glory above all nations. Well, come on and give God the highest praise, acknowledging Him always. And all the people shout, Hallelujah! 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 Oh, the Lord is high above the heavens. The Lord is high above the heavens. And His glory above all nations. And His glory above all nations. The Lord is high above the heavens. The Lord is high above glory above all nations and his glory above well come on and give god the highest praise acknowledging him always and all the people shout hallelujah 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 the lord is high above the heavens the lord is high above come on clap your hands right here and his glory above all nations we give him all the praise, yeah. The Lord is high above the heavens, hallelujah. And his glory above all nations. The Lord is high above the heavens, the Lord is high above And his glory above all nations. Well, come on and give God the highest praise. It's not that he give always. And all the people shout hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 
say, Lord, we thank you. Hallelujah. Because of what you've done, we say. And because of who you are, we say. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you. Why do we thank you? Because he's worthy. Say, Lord, you're worthy. You're worthy of all the glory, say, Lord, you're worthy, Lord, you're worthy. Can we shout it out again, say, from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. You may be seated. Blessed be God who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. And he has seated us in those heavenly places where the spiritual blessings are. God is good to us. He is our great God and he is greatly to be praised. Let me welcome those who are here in the sanctuary first. We're so glad that you've chosen to worship with us. We're, we're glad to see just your eyes. We're glad that you are here. Uh, we, even those who are not members who are here, if there are people uh, here in the sanctuary now who are not members of Mount Calvary officially, would you wave your hand so we can see who you are? If there are any visitors in here, God bless you. We're glad to see you glad to see you and to those who are watching online uh, we recognize that because of the pandemic uh, the majority of our people are still uh, worshiping with us virtually we're grateful to God for the opportunity uh, for the technology that allows us to be together virtually although we can't all be in the same space and we're grateful for the people behind the technology who make it possible each week for us to worship together. Mount Calvary, let's welcome everybody officially. Come on, let's sing welcome to them, shall we? Come 
Come on, let's sing. She's recovering, uh, but I would that you would continue to pray for her, would you? Um, and for Deacon Johnson, uh, for their strength, for her full uh, recovery. And uh, we know that Jesus is our healer, and that's what we stand on. I would also that you would pray uh, for Miss Geraldine Tillman. Uh, it's good to see you here. She, uh, she recently buried her husband and uh, and we certainly want to pray for Mrs. Tillman uh, God through the Holy Spirit will comfort like no other right and uh, and so we seek we seek him uh, I told you that our oldest living member uh, at 101 Mrs. Ruth Edmonds passed last week um, her funeral is going to be on Tuesday it is next Tuesday the 26th next Tuesday, the 26th, here at Mount Calvary at 11 o'clock. Uh, let's support with our prayers, certainly, and with our presence, if possible, next Tuesday, the 26th, at 11 o'clock. Let me thank you, Mount Calvary Nation, uh, for your support this past week uh, at the Ohio Baptist General Convention, uh, and what a convention it was this past week over at the Shiloh Church um, I thank you, uh, those who worked uh, individually, uh, those who worked as a team. The, uh, we had executive board dinner and uh, an executive board breakfast uh, here this week, and Miss Debbie and her team just, uh, just went overboard. They just uh, they treated uh, all of us like royalty. Um, Dr. Elder and, uh, and her work with the, uh, with the banquet and the um, and the, all the convention planning, Ms. Verletta and her work in the registration office, Ms. KK and her work uh, with the banquet, uh, Brother Daniel on the, on the soundboard over at Shiloh the whole week, uh, just, just I, Sister uh, Spain, Sister McClure, um, I probably will get in trouble because I started naming names, but uh, just 
everybody who did anything this past week uh, to make the convention a success. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, I, I appreciate I appreciate it. I am uh, I am absolutely exhausted. Um, and uh, and I would that you all would just pray my strength. Uh, I just need uh, just need a little time to recover. Got to head to Columbus after church today, so I won't be long. The Eastern District is uh, starting uh, their meeting this week, and then after that, uh, well, actually, I guess after I preach in Toledo next week, then I can rest for a little while. Uh, but I would that you would uh, just continue to pray for your pastor. Would you do that, please? Thank you. Revelation chapter 3 is where we're going today. Revelation chapter 3. Uh, the choir is going to come and, uh, and lead us further in worship, and then we'll get on into our study for the day. Thank you.
the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you're thankful, would you just, if you're able, clap your hands and tell him so. Thank you. Revelation chapter 6. Can you all give me some light here over the pulpit? Revelation chapter 6. I'm sorry, chapter 3. See? <laughs> New International Version of the Scripture. Here's what we're reading. Revelation chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. And here's what it says. To the angel of the church in Sardis write... These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. 
Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Verses 1 through 6 of Revelation chapter 3. You may be seated. Hey, Kingston. Welcome home. Yes, ma'am. Kingston is a freshman at, the, at Wittenberg. Home from college for the first time since you went? No? Okay. <laughs> well, I'm glad to see you. And we're proud of you. Yes. Who? Who? Kaylin? That's Kaylin. Oh, my goodness. I thought y'all brought a grown woman visitor. <laughs> Kaylin is also a freshman, been off to school. Where, where are you at? Where are you in? at Bowling Green, home for the weekend. Good to see you, ma'am. We are proud of you. Good. We have been studying in the book of Revelation these letters that the Lord Jesus dictates to the Apostle John, letters to the seven churches of Asia Minor, letters to individual churches. But as we have seen at the end of each of these letters, each one ends with a universal call to pay attention. He that hath an ear, whoever, whoever will hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so, brothers and sisters, these letters are not just for the seven specific churches to whom John directed them, but to the universal church of the living God, the church of 2021 church in America, the church at Mount Calvary, and certainly the church in us. We have already taken a peek at the letters to the church at Ephesus, to the church at Smyrna, to the church at Pergamum, and the last time we, we were together, we looked at the Lord's letter to the church at Thyatira, and today we come to the letter written to the church at Sardis. Sardis capital city of Lydia, founded about 1200 B.C. Uh, the original city sat high, about 1500 feet uh, high. There was one narrow road leading into the city and the other sides of the plateau were just steep drop-offs, steep cliffs, and so this made it really safe, very safe and nearly impenetrable by invading armies. You've heard of Aesop's fables? Uh, Aesop, or Aesop, was from Sardis. That was his home. Gold and silver coins, Sardis was the first one to make them. The city of Sardis was famous for certain industries, wool and dyed cloth. As a matter of fact, it is said that the art of dyeing originated in Sardis. At one time, it was one of the greatest cities in the world. It reached its peak under King Croesus. King Croesus and Sardis were famed 
around the world for their wealth. You've heard the saying, riches creases. You thought it was talking about pants creases. No, it refers to King Croesus and how, re how rich he was. Sardis reached its peak under Croesus, but also fell under his reign. He and the people had become so complacent uh, with their safety. They, they were so complacent in their wealth and their power and their invincibility that, uh, that they thought nobody could take them, but they came under the attack of Cyrus the Persian, and, uh, and King Croesus and his people retreated to their city thinking that they were safe, but there was a hidden road that the soldiers would sometimes use, and one of the soldiers had dropped his, uh, his helmet over the wall, and one of the Persian soldiers saw that, saw the path he went down to retrieve his helmet, and then when night came, the Persian army snuck up that hidden path, entered the city while the guards were asleep because they weren't paying attention because they thought nobody could get them, and they conquered Sardis. Same thing, a similar thing happened with Alexander the Great. They were conquered again. And by the time the Romans came, Sardis, which had been a wealthy, powerful city, was just a, a, a shell of what it used to be. And by John's day, it was even a shell of that. The people had grown lazy and degenerate and immoral and complacent. Sardis was dying uh, because of apathy and indifference. It had a proud reputation based on what it had been, but it wasn't what it used to be anymore. And apparently the church that's located in Sardis has the same problem as the culture surrounding it. The church had become what one theologian wrote, had become a thermometer that just read the temperature of the city instead of a thermostat setting the temperature. Just as surely as the city of Sardis was dying, so was the church there. And Jesus has no words of commendation for this church. But he does have some words of counsel. And if you will allow me just a little bit of time, I want to, uh, I really just want to talk from this subject, dead but not done dead but not done let's look at the text as in the other letters Jesus starts out identifying the recipient of the letter he says to John write this letter to the angel of the church that is to the messenger of the church to the one who has been commissioned to tell my people what I'm saying to the pastor if you will uh, to the one who is responsible for reporting what he's given and not making up what he wants to say write this message to the messenger so he can get it to my people Christ identifies first the recipient, but then he identifies himself. Please notice that in each of these letters that we've seen so far, Jesus identifies himself in a different manner. The way he identifies himself has to do with the content of the particular letter that he is dictating. And here to the church at Sardis, he identifies himself as the one who has or the one who holds the seven spirits of God 
and the seven stars. Jesus points out here his own sovereignty, his own sovereign authority. Uh, he points to his own in-chargeness, if you'll let me make up that word. He points to it by reminding them that he has or he holds the seven spirits of God. Now, that refers back to chapter 1 at verse 4 where Jesus says, Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne. Remember that the number seven in biblical symbolism refers to that which is complete, that which is perfect, that which lacks nothing. And so his reference to the seven spirits of God here is not to be confused. Jesus is not suggesting that there are seven Holy Spirits, all right? He is simply referring to the Holy Spirit, to the fullness, to the completeness of the Holy Spirit, the completeness of the Spirit's work. Those who are Bible scholars suggest suggest that this may refer to what the prophet Isaiah was talking about in Isaiah chapter 11 when he wrote the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and of might the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord that's seven if you were counting and not only am I the one who holds the seven spirits but I hold the seven stars now that refers back to chapter 1 at verse 16 and verse 20 where we see that the seven stars are held in his right hand and in verse 20 that the seven stars are the angels to the seven churches, the ones who bear the message, the word of God. What Jesus is saying here by identifying himself the way he does, listen, here's what he's saying. This church needs revival and the way he identifies himself suggests that the revival that they need can only come through him because he has the two things they need. What they need is the fullness of the Holy Ghost and they need the word of God. It is through the Spirit of God and through the Word of God that they will be revived. And Jesus is the one who holds both. There is nothing that they in themselves can do outside of Jesus Christ to fix what is wrong. It still amazes me, saints of God, it still amazes me that our churches still schedule revival. When revival can't be scheduled. Revival is not man-made. It can only come through Jesus Christ. Ultimately, the revival that this church needs comes only through the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I look at the condition of the church today, the capital C church, when I look around at how we, and I'm talking about the church in general as the church, how we as the church, because uh, remember there's only one church, when I look at how at, at the shape of the church in the world today, it is obvious to me that the church needs revival. When I look at the church of today and see a form of godliness but no power, it is obvious to me that the Lord's church is in desperate need of revival. When we look around and see the shape and culture, the shape and condition rather of our culture and that instead of shaping culture, the church is constantly being shaped by culture, we need revival. And the answer for the modern church 
is the same as it was for the church at Sardis. We need the fullness of the Holy Ghost and we need the Word of God. As we examine the text today, there are two areas that Jesus illuminates. I'll give them to you uh, quickly. First of all, Jesus illuminates, number one, the danger of reputation versus reality. Reputation versus the reality. Now, with each of the other churches that we have seen, Jesus starts out commending the good things in the church. All the other letters we've looked at, he starts out with what they're doing right. But here, to this church, there is no such commendation. There is no reward before the rebuke. And the rebuke, the, the rebuke of the church is this. I know your works. Certainly those inside the church have their opinions of the church. And those outside of the Sardis Missionary Baptist Church have their opinions. But those are just opinions. But Jesus says, I don't have, I don't have just an opinion about it. I know your works. I know the truth about what you're doing. I know the reality of your situation. And the reality is, you're just living off of a reputation. The church at Sardis is living off the reputation that they have based on what they used to be. The reputation is that they are alive and well. The reputation is that all is well at the Sardis church. The reputation is that they are the happening church. The reputation is that they are the church. Their music is masterful. Their preaching is prominent. Their choir is concert ready. The ushers are on it. The deacons are dignified. The missionaries are marching. The congregation is cordial. The pastor is just about perfect. The reputation is that this church is the place to be. This church, correct me if I'm wrong, children, this church is banging. It's hitting. I pay attention on the car rides to church. And there is nothing wrong with having a good reputation. But the problem is, that's all they have is a reputation let me borrow from the words of that soul prophet Marvin Gaye when he said mercy mercy me things ain't what they used to be in other words the current reputation does not line up with the current reality the reputation is that you're alive you have a name to be alive but in truth you are dead you used to be all those things. But now you are just a shell of what you used to be. You, like a dead body in a casket, have been made up, propped up to look alive. But you're dead. Saints, you can't get any more severe language than that. Jesus uses the strongest language possible. 
It's the same metaphor that's used in the Bible to describe people who are without Jesus. But notice the letter is written to the church who has Jesus. I'll say that again. It's the same metaphor used in the Bible to describe people who are without Jesus, but this letter is written to people who are supposed to have him. Dead. Remember Ephesians chapter 2, uh, Paul said, you were dead in your sins. In other words, you were dead before you came to the Lord. And here, Jesus uses it to describe the church at Sardis. Dead. You're, what an indictment that Jesus' church could be without Jesus. That a church that belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ could be without him. They wear his name, but they don't possess his character. They boast of his power, but they are so busy living in their reputation that they don't even miss his presence. And church, we need to take heed of this warning. What a shame it would be to have a reputation among men as being the happening church, to have a reputation of being alive, to have a reputation of being a healthy, vital church when the reality is that the reputation is all you have, just hanging on to what used to be, so busy glorifying the past, so busy making a shrine to the past that we don't even realize that we have become irrelevant and and obsolete God have mercy I've told you before one of my biggest fears in pastoring is becoming the church that used to be church if we are tuned in with the Holy Ghost if we will obey his word then I've got news for you. Our best days will not be behind us, but before us. Can I tell you something? I don't mean any offense, but our best days were not on Groveland Avenue. Our best days were not even on 3rd Street. Can I tell you the truth? Our best days are not even right now our best days if we will heed the Holy Ghost and pay attention to his word our best days are ahead of us and let me just say parenthetically uh, let me just say that that's not just for the church in general that's a word for you you don't have to settle for living in the glory of your past. Don't get caught up in having a reputation if your reputation doesn't match your reality. If you will walk in the fullness of the Spirit, if you will be open to His leading, if you will take in and take heed to His Word, if we will listen and obey, then our best days are not behind you. I know, I know you thought it would never be that good again as when you had him but the best is yet to come I know you thought it was the best when you had that job or when you lived in that house or when you were involved with that person or when you used to be younger or when you used to be thinner but listen we grow from faith to faith from glory to glory I like how the old saints used to put it every day with Jesus is sweeter than the my I know they can't read your lips so you got to say it real loud look at somebody and tell them your best is not behind you 
the best is yet to come. That's good news. <laughs> Jesus deals first with the reputation versus the reality. You have a name that you're alive. The bad news is you're dead. Ah, uh, but thank God he doesn't stop right there. Not only does he warn the church about having a reputation that doesn't line up with the reality, but in his grace, he gives them, and here's number two, and I'm done. He gives them the requirements for revival. I know that somebody said anything dead needs to be buried. I recognize somebody even said it from the pulpit and you thought it was in the Bible. That anything dead needs to be buried. But thank God that apparently Jesus doesn't feel that way. With Jesus, apparently, you can be dead but not done. Just because this church is dead now doesn't mean that they are past hope. Are y'all hearing me? After all, this is the same Jesus who was approached by one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus. Y'all remember that? Uh, Jairus saw Jesus. He fell to his knees and he was beside himself. He said, Jesus, my daughter is about to die. Come and lay hands on her and she'll get well and she'll live. And Jesus started to go with him, but there was a big crowd around him. Y'all remember that? And there was a woman in the crowd who had been suffering with an issue of blood for 12 years. And she said, if I can just touch the of his garment I know I'll be made whole and so she pressed her way through the crowd and touched the hem of Jesus garment and the Bible says the flow of blood dried up and she could feel the change inside of her and at the same time Jesus felt something go out of him and he said who touched me his disciples look at him and said Jesus all these people around you and you're asking who touched you He went on asking, who touched me? And the woman stepped up in fear and trembling, knelt before him. She told him the whole story. I've spent everything I've had. I've been to all these doctors. And Jesus said, daughter, you took a risk with your faith. And now you're healed and whole. But now this woman has stopped him on the way to Jairus' house. And in the meantime, somebody comes and says, listen, Jairus, don't bother Jesus anymore because your daughter's dead now. Jesus overhears it and he says to Jairus, don't listen to them. Can I give you Winston translation? She's dead, but she ain't done. So he goes on, he gets to the house and there's gossips and neighbors there bringing in their casseroles and busybodies and he goes in, he says, the child isn't dead, she's sleeping. They laughed him to scorn and he kicked everybody out, took the father and mother and his companions into the child's room and clasped the girl's hand and said, Talitha Kumai, which means little girl, get up. And she got up and started walking around and he said, give her something to eat. With Jesus, 
You can be dead and not done. This is the same Jesus who went to a town called Nain. And they were having a funeral that day. Y'all remember? They were having a funeral that day. A son, the only son of his mother, they're carrying out the casket. She's so sad. The bearer stood still. Jesus comes up and touched the casket and says, Young man, I say to you, get up. And the Bible says the dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Apparently with Jesus, you can be dead and not done. This is the same Jesus whose friend Lazarus was sick. I'm, I'm trying to just take it easy, but I really feel, I feel like preaching very honestly. Uh, this is the same Jesus whose friend Lazarus was sick and his sister sent for Jesus, but Jesus took so long to get there that Lazarus died. When Jesus finally arrives on the scene, he's been dead so long that he's starting to stink. But death is no match for Jesus. Jesus goes to Lazarus' grave and says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus got up and came out of the grave. All I'm trying to tell you is that apparently with Jesus, you can be dead and not done. That's the same Jesus who faced death himself and won crucified on the cross of Calvary died and was buried but on the third day he got up from the grave shook off his grave clothes walked out of the grave with all power in his hands all I'm trying to tell you is that apparently with Jesus you can be dead and not done and where man says what's dead needs to be buried Jesus says that which is dead can be revived. That's a sermon right there. I'll tell you what, why don't we all give him some kind of praise? My question is, what's dead in your life? Is there anything that has been pronounced deceased? Some people in here are dealing with dead marriages. Some people are dealing with dead hopes, dead, dead dreams, dead end jobs, dead situations. But I've come to tell you today that Jesus specializes in revival. And what's dead may not be done. Somebody ought to thank him right there. I know you have a meeting with your attorney But you may need to call and cancel. Because what looks like it's dead may not be done. I know what the doctor said. But what looks like it's dead may not be done. And here in this text, he gives the requirements for revival. I'm, 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 let me give you these requirements for revival and we'll go. <clears throat> Number one, wake up. It's, it's in the text, verse two. If you have King James Version, it says, be watchful. NIV says, wake up. That is, take heed, pay attention, give strict attention, be cautious. This dead church is a sleeping church. It is a church that is not on its guard. But he says, wake up. You have been lulled into sleep by your reputation. It is said that the biggest obstacle to future success 
is past success. You think you can rest on what has been. You think you can rest on what you've done. You think you can rest on where you've come this far. And the Lord is saying, wake up, saints, because I've got further for you to go. And saints, we need to take heed today. I am afraid that we have been lulled into a sleeping state. Lulled by where we've come compared to where we were. Lulled by popularity. Lulled by government officials. Lulled to sleep by grants and funding opportunities that say we'll pay if you don't mention Jesus. Lulled by the successes of the past. Lulled to sleep by memory of past victories. But forgetting that we still have an enemy. That's why Peter said, be sober-minded, be watchful, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion just looking for somebody to eat. Wake up. Wake up to the condition of the world around you. Wake up to what the Lord is doing in this season. Number two. Second requirement for revival. Strengthen what remains but is about to die. The Lord has called this church dead, but he says here there are some things that are not quite dead but almost. Strengthen what remains. Shore up what's lacking. Well, what's lacking, Lord? Well, here's what he says. It's in the text. He says, for I have not found your works complete in the sight of God. In other words, there is divided loyalty and incomplete obedience. God help us. Jesus is saying to them what I echo to my children. Partial or delayed obedience is disobedience. If you don't do what I tell you to do, the way I tell you to do it, when I tell you to do it, it is disobedience. Church, we have to decide that we are going to fully obey God. Can I tell you something? There is no compromise in obedience. There is no doing God's thing our way. If we're doing God's thing our way, it ceases to be God's thing. Strengthen what remains. Number three. Requirements for revival. Number three. Remember, remember what you have received and heard. There are some things that we are instructed in the Bible to forget, right? Uh, Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, I forget those things which are behind, right? So I can press forward 
toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Yes, there are some things we ought to forget, but just for the record and the context that Paul was speaking about in Philippians chapter 3, those things he was forgetting are the realities of his pre-Christian life that he could hold on to and count gain. It's those things that he could boast about. But we can't forget everything. There are some things we need to remember. Remember what you have received and what you heard. What you have received, salvation. Remember what you heard, the gospel. But not only what you have received and heard, check this out, but how you received it. That's what the King James Version says. How you received When you received the gospel, you received it with an open mind and open heart you were willing to be taught you were hungry for the things of God you were thirsty for a drink of his presence as the deer panted for the water that's how your soul used to long for him but now that you've been saved a while now that you've had him for a minute you need to remember it reminds me of the warning given given in Deuteronomy chapter 8 where the Lord says to his people remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart whether or not you would keep his commands he humbled you causing you to hunger and then he fed you with manna which neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone but every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord your clothes didn't wear out don't forget it and your feet didn't swell in other words you kept the same size shoe grown people with children sized feet don't forget when you have eaten and you're satisfied don't forget who gave you this land to eat from don't forget the Lord your God. Don't, don't forget to follow his commands, his laws, his decrees that I'm giving you today. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build your fine houses and settle down, when your herds and your flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, if you forget, you will become proud and you will forget that it's the Lord who brought you out of Egypt in the first place. He's the one who led you through the vast wilderness He's the one who gave you water in a thirsty land. He's the one who kept you from venomous snakes and scorpions. He's the one who brought wa water out of a hard rock. He's the one who gave you manna in the wilderness. He's the one who gave you power and strength to get wealth. You didn't do it on your own. If there is going to be revival, there must be a remembrance that anything I have, God gave it to me. Anything I am, God made me. Any place I am, God put me. If we are going to have revival, we must remember that we weren't smart enough. We weren't rich enough. We were not intelligent enough. We were not wise enough. We were not strong enough to bring our set. Listen, stony the road we trod. And bitter the chastening rod felt in the day when hope unborn had died. Yet with a steady beat 
hath not our weary feet come to the place for which our fathers sighed. Y'all, y'all know. And then the, the next verse, it's my favorite. It's, it's my favorite. God of our weary years, God of our silent tears, thou who has kept us thus far on the way, thou who has by thy might led us into the light. Keep us forever in the path we pray, lest our feet stray from the places our God where we met thee lest our hearts drunk with the wine of the world we forget there's going to be revival you got to remember you didn't do this fourthly there's going to be a revival, the requirement for, for revival. Number four, you got to hold fast. Hold fast to what you got. Huh? Uh, in other words, keep it, remember it, keep it, guard it. Don't let it slip from your memory. Don't, don't let it get stale. Keep it before you. Keep the same openness to the Spirit. Stay faithful, available, and teachable. Keep a soft heart and remain open to His voice. One of the mistakes we make as supposedly mature Christians is thinking that we know and understand everything about God and his word. But you got to keep a pliable heart so that if you're wrong about something, the Lord can come and correct you about it and you not hold on to what you thought you know just because that's what you thought you knew. Number five, and I'm done. If there is going to be revival, here's the fifth requirement. Repent. Repent. Make a U-turn. Don't keep down the same path just because that's the path you're on. If what you've missed or what you're looking for you missed if something went awry somewhere make a U-turn. Right? Go back. Yesterday uh, my son had a soccer game in Middletown, right? Uh back on some, and not on the main anything, right, some, somewhere out in some place that, you know, you want to make sure you're gone before the sun goes down, just somewhere out there in, in Middletown, and we, we put it in the GPS, and we're following the GPS, right, and, uh, and, and, and I see the flag on the screen, I see the flag that, that we were about to get to it, and, and we're driving, we're driving, we're driving, and I see nothing. And I drive right past it. It says, you have reached your destination. <laughs> and I drive. Maybe it's, this is the direction I'm going, so might as well just keep driving. Hmm? And my wife, who's so gracious, not once did she say, Sam, what are you doing? Just, just turn around. No, she, she just pretended to be as confused as me. 
and we just drive until we can find a spot that we can pull off and turn around because apparently I missed it somewhere. But you know what? When I kept driving, if I drove long enough, there was an opportunity. I didn't want to listen. My daughters, <laughs> they were in the back seat. They said, don't turn around in none of these people's driveway, please. <laughs> they look like if you pull in, it'll be trouble. Don't turn around. But the Lord provided a way. <laughs> there was eventually a spot that was nobody's driveway, a little gravel area that we could turn, we could go in there, we could pull off, and we can turn around. I want to tell you today that if you have missed it, if you are not exactly sure where you're going, God has provided in this place right here, right now, a little gravel driveway, if you will, that you can pull off, no, listen, no judgment. Pull off, turn around, go back and find it. Repent. Turn. You know what my mama used to tell me as a young man? She's, she, she, was, she was trying to prepare me for life and for godliness. And, 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 you know, a young man's ways are sometimes awry. She said this. She said, son, you don't have to marry your sin. Repent. <laughs> Some of you wish your mama had told you that. <laughs> Repent. Turn around. Acknowledge that God's way is right and your way is wrong. And I've got news for you. You can begin again. You may be dead now, but that doesn't mean you're done. That's the good news. And if you feel like you're dead today, whether you are here in the sanctuary and I won't ask anybody to raise their hand or whether you're watching uh, online today, the good news is even if you feel like you're dead, and the reason I'm not going to ask anybody to raise your hand is because there are some dead people who have a reputation of being alive. There are some people that nobody would ever think that, that you might be dead. There are some people that, that nobody would ever even believe that you might be struggling in your walk that you may feel like the spirit has left the building. So I don't, I don't want you to raise your hand. You don't have to indicate to anybody. You don't have to be embarrassed. But know this, if you feel like you are dead today, you can live again. Why don't everybody preach it with me? Please look at somebody and tell them I may be dead, but I am not done. There's more. There's more than this. There's more than where I am right now. There's more than what I see right now. I've been through a lot and I feel lifeless. But thank God that Jesus specializes. He specializes in bringing back to life that which was dead. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Admit it and turn. He's got what you need. The fullness of the Holy Ghost, the word of God, to bring back life to that which was dead. If everybody would bow your heads with me.
And let's, let's talk to our loving Father. Lord, we thank you today. We thank you because with you, all things are possible. I give you praise, Lord, because that which is dead is not necessarily done with you. And that's just your grace. That, that is your grace, Lord. That's your, that's your grace because the wages of sin is still death. And we've sinned against you. And so we know that we deserve death. But we thank you, Lord, for the gift of God, which is eternal life. We don't want to be a church that wears your name, but is void of your presence. We don't want to be individuals who have a reputation of being alive but who are dead and so we hear your call today to remember, to repent to retain, to hold on to what we have received we hear your call to turn Father prick our hearts prick our hearts so that we realize and live like our best days are ahead of us and that which is dead please as only you can fill us afresh with the Holy Ghost fill us afresh with your power with your anointing. I thank you for the, full, for the fullness of the Holy Ghost. It's in your hands. I thank you for your word, Lord. Help us to hear it. And not just to hear it, but to hear it and obey. I give you praise for revival. Revival in your church. Revival in our homes. Revival in our hearts. Revival in our marriages. Revival in our families. Revival in our children. Even revival in our finances. Revival in our emotions. I thank you for bringing that which was dead back to life. Not for our glory, God, but only for yours. In Jesus' name I pray. And we thank you in advance. Let the church say, Amen. Amen. I got some bad news for you. Bad news is everybody has sinned. The worst news that there's not a thing you can do about it. You can't be good enough. You can't be righteous enough on your own. But the good news is that God sent Jesus, his son, to die in our place. God so loved the world. That's everybody without exception that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever that's anybody without exception that if you believe on him you don't have to perish but you'll have everlasting life God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world but so that the world through him might be 
saved. That is the good news. And the great news is you're still breathing. And so you have an opportunity to get it right with God through Jesus Christ. If you're here and you're not sure you're saved, not sure where you're going to spend eternity, not sure that you will spend eternity with Jesus Christ, would you just raise your hand where you are? Somebody will come to you and they will explain to you what it means to be saved. Here's what the Bible says about it. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you shall be saved. That's good news. If you're here and you're not sure you're saved and you want to be saved today, would you raise your hand? If you're watching online, the same applies to you. If you're not sure you're saved but you know you want to be saved, you know you want to spend forever, spend eternity with Jesus Christ. Would you type it in the chat, send us a message, do something to let us know that this day you want to give your life to the Lord. Somebody will contact you this afternoon and walk you through that confession of faith. That's the first call. If you're not sure you're saved, you can be saved today. Second call is this. You know you're saved. You know where you're going to spend eternity. But you know that the Lord wants you here in this part of his church. You know that the Lord wants you to be a part of his church at Mount Calvary. If that's you, would you raise your hand? If you know the Lord wants you here. You know this is where you're supposed to be. Listen, if you're supposed to be here, we need you here so we can be all that he's called us to be. Same thing applies to you that are watching. If you know that the Lord wants you to be a part of the Mount Calvary Nation, listen, we're just a part of his church. But if the Lord wants you here, we need you. Put it in the chat. Send us a message. Let us know that the Lord is directing you here as a part of the Mount Calvary Nation. Someone will contact you today and we will get you settled in, plugged in. To where you're supposed to be everybody then in the house is where you know you're supposed to be then let the church say amen so let it be so let it be Reverend Lee, I'll just, I'll take it back there because I'm going to leave. Come on, Reverend Lee, you can close us out. Uh, Ms. Norfleet, you, uh, come, come and, and share a little bit with us, would you? Ms. Norfleet is going to give a short testimony, Brother Lee, and then you can, uh, and then you can close us out, all right? Thank you. Come, come. Where's the where's a good mic?
Hello. Um, my name is Janet Norfleet, and the sermon that Pastor gave today is perfect, and it's always right on time. Um, I don't know if you guys know, but these last years has been uh, quite troublesome for me, but um, the worst part was the 27th, uh, the 23rd of July. Um, the first part of July of this year, I left and went to Florida, and I was gone for about two weeks. I got back on the 21st of July. First of all, I have no memory at all of what happened to me after I got out of the Dayton airport. I was walking around, I guess I was being normal or whatever. I didn't know that I was in trouble. Um, on the 23rd of July, I died. Um, I was talking to my son on the phone and all of a sudden the phone went dead. Uh, he called his father and told his father to come and find me because something was the matter. I don't know where my husband was because, like I said, I don't have any memory of what happened. And I don't have any memory of what happened between the 21st and the 27th. I had been out of town to a baby shower. I had been down to Phoenix, Alabama. I got pictures on my phone to show that I've been to those places, but I have no memory of it. The doctor said that probably my body was losing oxygen at that time and my brain was deprived and like I said I just died I didn't I don't remember any pain I don't remember nothing excruciating uh, all I know is I woke up and I was in the hospital the doctor said I did not have a heart attack uh, I didn't go into cardiac arrest or anything like that my heart just stopped they have, they said it was called uh, some kind of irregular heart, whatever, because it doesn't happen. That you don't just, your heart don't just stop for no reason. My husband came in the house, he found me laying on the couch or the floor somewhere, and uh, he couldn't get a response and he st started CPR and called the paramedics. They came to the house and they couldn't get a heartbeat or anything. And so they covered me up in some kind of a cold blanket or whatever and took me to the hospital and they did whatever they could to bring me back. But I guess it took a while. I ended up having to get a defibrillator in my chest. So now I have a defibrillator. Um, but the main thing is, I was dead. I don't know how long, but I'm not dead now. And it's because God.
stand and be dismissed. to keep you from falling in the present favor before the present of his glory and exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dimension and power, both now and forever. Amen. Now, we're not going to just act like she just told you she walked down the street and came back. She was dead and now she's alive. And I don't know what we're doing, but before we walk out that door, can somebody just lift their hands and tell the Lord, thank you. We're not gonna act like this ain't nothing. We're gonna give God praise. Cause if he could do it for her, then he can do it for you. It may not have come yet, but if you just give him one good praise, we're not gonna act like that before we walk out this door. <laughs> 